Welcome to the Paralegal Voice, where you hear the latest issues and trends in the world of paralegals and legal assistance by one of the best-known paralegals in the industry, Vicki Boyson. A paralegal for more than 20 years, Vicki is dedicated to helping legal professionals reach their goals. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Paralegal Voice here on Legal Talk Network. I'm Vicki Voison, the Paralegal Mentor and host of the Paralegal Voice. I'm a NALA Advanced Certified Paralegal. I publish an e-newsletter titled Paralegal Strategies, and I'm also the co-author of The Professional Paralegal, A Guide to Finding a Job and Career Success. You'll find more information at paralegalmentor.com. My guest today is Joanne Hathaway, a former paralegal who today is a practice management advisor for the State Bar of Michigan. She previously worked as a legal liability claims director and risk manager and also legal administrator. Joanne is an Adobe Acrobat certified expert, holds software certifications in LexisNexis, Time Matters, and Billing Matters software. She's active in the ABA Law Practice Management Division, serving on the Publications Board and the State and Local Bar Outreach Committee. Joanne is a frequent speaker on law firm technology, insurance, and risk and practice management topics. So welcome, Joanne. Thank you, Vicki. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Joanne, we had a previous podcast, and we're going to tell our listeners about that. But before we begin, our sponsors need to be recognized and thanked. That would be Boston University, offering an online certificate in paralegal studies. If you're seeking a professional credential or you just want to further develop your skills, Boston University provides an affordable, high-quality, 14-week program. Visit Paralegal Online. Dot bu dot edu for more information. NALA, a professional association for paralegals, provides continuing education and professional certification programs for paralegals at NALA.org. NALA is a force in the promotion and the advancement of the paralegal profession. And also ServeNow, a nationwide network of trusted pre-screened process servers. Work with the most professional process servers who have experience with high-volume serves, embrace technology, and understand the litigation process. Visit servenow.com to learn more. The goal of the Paralegal Voice is to discuss a wide range of topics that are important to the paralegal industry and to share with you leading trends, significant developments, and resources you'll find helpful in your career and your everyday job. Guests are usually included to help explore timely topics. And for that reason, I've invited Joanne Hathaway to be with me today to discuss the issue of going paperless. I began a discussion with Joanne on the Paralegal Voice regarding what paralegals need to know about going paperless. That was a previous podcast. It offers basic information about the paperless procedure, and listeners can locate that podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com. 
Just click on the paralegal voice and scroll down to reach that podcast. So that said, Joanne, today we're going to discuss policies that have to be put in place when a firm goes paperless. So what I'd like for you to do first is to tell our listeners why they need paperless policies and how a firm begins the paperless policy drafting process. Well, thank you, Vicki, for that introduction. It's really imperative that a firm, regardless of size, have a written paperless policy. There are so many procedural steps associated with going paperless that having these steps in writing really helps to ensure that no one deviates from the process and basically drops the ball. Just as you wouldn't build a house without a blueprint, you should never begin your paperless journey without having a completed, customized, written paperless policy. So the first step a firm needs to take to begin to lay the groundwork for this policy is to really examine what their goals for going paperless are. What is it that the firm hopes to accomplish from going paperless? And then very importantly, to get buy-in from hopefully everyone in the firm. That's not always possible, but that, that is what a firm should strive for. Interestingly, the process of going paperless needn't be that difficult, time-consuming but not difficult. However, if you have resistors in the firm who don't want to comply and project negativity, that process from going from paper to digital will be very difficult. I think you hit the nail on the head with the fact that it's time-consuming, and some people just don't want to spend the time on it. It's easier to do it like they've always done it. So, But we're going to move on here, Joanne. I understand that you have your top 10 tips for putting these policies in place. So let's start with your first tip. Okay, tip number one, and I just touched on that, and I'm going to stay on the employee and the firm buy-in. So tip number one is include your employees and motivate them, both emotionally and financially. Get commitment. I really can't stress the importance of this enough. People have a need to feel valued and to have their voice heard. So even if uh, you don't implement an idea someone shares, they will feel that they have at least had the opportunity to weigh in and to be heard. And that will make them feel good and encourage further engagement. Also, studies have shown this is nothing new, that people respond to incentives, and it's not hard. Think employees that feel valued, more efficient, streamlined processes that make their job easier and encourage them with financial gain from the money that will be saved by overhead expenses from going paperless. Okay, that's a good one. What about the second one? Okay, tip number two, stay involved. Sometimes we find that those people in charge, they get everything started and then they basically pass the buck. Everyone needs to be involved, some more than others, of course, but everyone in the firm touches paper, right? So everyone from the top down needs to stay engaged and interested, and this is really a step to encouraging a strong team environment, which is what you definitely need when developing this policy. Okay, and when you're staying involved and you're staying interested, do you fall back on being sure that your uh, employees are still interested, or do you just assume they are, Joanne? Oh, no, you need to have your hand on the pulse at all times because, as I said before, if you have the naysayers, then 
And it's easy for someone to fall back when they start feeling uncomfortable, even if they're engaged at the beginning. If they start to feel uncomfortable with a process, they can backpedal. There are always those people in the firm who say, this is the way we've always done it, and I don't want to change it. It doesn't seem to be broken. And uh, so those are the people you need to really encourage. Right. I think we find that probably all through the new technology that we're using and so forth, any new systems. But, okay, what's your third tip? Okay, my third tip, uh, I'm, uh, I think this is, again, extremely important. The policy should be detailed. Don't leave room for ambiguity or for individual interpretation. So take great time when drafting the paperless policy. It needs to be detailed, again, very detailed. This is a document that will live on and on, or it should live on and on, and individuals in the firm will need to rely upon this for both seasoned and new attorneys and staff. A firm newcomer should really be able to come in, pick up this policy and read it, and know how to follow the process for the paperless workflow. Okay, perfect. Now what about four? Okay, tip number four is because this is going to be a very, very detailed policy, it's probably going to be rather voluminous. (laughs) So that being said, you don't want it to be unwieldy, so the policy should be searchable. It needs to be very user-friendly. You should have bookmarks. Uh, It should be easy to navigate. And in brief, make it detailed but easy. So this really shouldn't be difficult because hopefully before you are starting the paperless process, you have become an expert at what I'll call PDFing. So you can easily create a well-organized digital document that is searchable with a detailed table of contents and digital bookmarks in, in a program such as Adobe Acrobat. Okay. Are they usually done that way in Adobe? Do you usually get a PDF document that you can search online? Is that what you're planning to do? Yes, that you can search, say, for instance, with keywords within a, in the document. Let me give you a for instance, Vicki. So say, for instance, what you are going to do, and we're going to be addressing this as well, but I highly encourage that individual names and or their titles be put in the document. So it might be Susan Jones will open the mail. So if Susan Jones wanted to search the document, or the 50-page PDF for any time her name was mentioned in the document, she could do that. Oh. So there would be all different ways to keyword, keyword search within a document to quickly go to the relevant provision in the document. Okay, very quickly, I want to ask you, so say Susan Jones quits and uh, Mary Doe takes the job. You go through and change this document on, you know, it's easy to do, I understand, and that's why it's searchable, but that's what you would do every time there was a change? You could do that. One of the issues is you, you could, one of the things is, and I would promote either a name and or a position, but sometimes mm-hmm. you have more than one or more of the same people with the same position title working in a firm. And so that could get, depending on the size of the firm, that could get a bit confusing. So that's going to Mm -hmm. have to be determined on on a subjective basis. Okay. Now let's do one more before we take a break. Okay. Um, Include the firm's goals in the paperless policy. How will this actually make everyone's life easier? People are often asking, why am I doing this? Is it really making a difference? And because the policy is going to have so many different 
categories, people may lose sight of why they are doing something during the course of their day. So really impress upon everyone how going paperless is going to make their life easier. For instance, think if you didn't have to go pull a file when a client called, review the file, then you ensure that everything was filed in the file and you call the client back to provide the information they were seeking. Think of instead if you could immediately pull up their file when they first called, provide the information, and then move on. So the individual in the firm, they're having less stress. They're being able to provide better customer service. They have no wasted time, more billable time, and much more. So delineating those and incorporating goals and why things are being done in the policy will help people better understand why they are doing what it is they're doing on a, usually on a daily basis. Okay. Now we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion about policies to put in place when you're going paperless. And we'll continue that discussion with my guest, Joanne Hathaway. We'll be right back. Are you looking to advance your career? Do you know someone who wants to enter the paralegal profession? Boston University's fully online certificate in paralegal studies is a fantastic option. It's affordable, takes just 14 weeks to complete, and is led by accomplished faculty who teach employer-focused skills like legal research, writing, technology, and more. Visit paralegalonline.bu.edu for more information and to download a free brochure. That's paralegalonline.bu.edu. NALA means professional. NALA offers classroom and web-based continuing education and professional development for all paralegals. And NALA's certified paralegal credential has been a gold standard of professionalism for over 30 years. More than 15,000 paralegals have this certification, and nearly 2,000 have achieved the demanding advanced certified paralegal. NALA works actively with all those in the legal field to promote the value of paralegals and to advance paralegal professionalism. See more about why NALA means professional at www.nala.org. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry, connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.ServeNow.com. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. I'm Vicki Voison, and my guest today is Joanne Hathaway, Practice Management Advisor for the State Bar of Michigan. So, Joanne, I'm really liking your tips that you have for us today. I just thought of a real bonus when you talk about the goals and making things easier and being able to look up, you know, a file. Guess what? Nobody can mess up the file. I will tell you, every time I straighten a file, someone takes it, and they it comes back to me all needing organized again. So this is a bonus, I think, for going paperless. Well, I think so, too, Vicki. I was going to mention that it's interesting when 
people work in a firm and more than one person touches a file, say if there's a partner and an associate, a clerk, a paralegal, a secretary, unfortunately with a paper file, as efficient as people try to be, oftentimes they end up with their file piles. And Mm -hmm. so even when you're able to retrieve a file, oftentimes you're not sure if everything is really in the file that should be there. That's so. right. That's right. And and this is another reason why involving staff in all of this is so important, because I have to tell you, attorneys want to be organized. They don't have time to be straightening out files and doing things like that. It's always left to staff. And so I think when we can move on and make it easier for everyone, I think it's just the perfect solution. So what's your next tip? Okay, tip number six is define individual and departmental needs before you begin to draft your policy. So think remote access, um, the mobile lawyer, uh, digital signatures. Imagine all of the possibilities and departmental needs within the firm. Different practice areas and different sized firms have different needs. So the team working on the policy needs to carefully screen firm members to determine what their needs are to ensure they're met and adequately addressed in the paperless policy. Okay. All right. And next? Next is tick number seven, do your research. Who has done this before and what is working? Who do you know who's taken their firm paperless? So talk to them. What worked? What didn't work? What bumps in the road did they experience? How did it change their working environment? I do have a word of caution here, though. I highly encourage talking to more than one firm and talking to as many as possible because uh, you don't want to get a tainted view with just uh, one way to do things. It's really good to gather as much information and people who have experienced this as possible. Okay. Yeah, I understand why you'd need to talk to more than one person. So tip number eight Tip number eight is, and I touched upon this just a few moments ago when we were talking about searching within a document, name names and position titles and or, and give people responsibility. I want to add uh, the responsibility aspect to this. In your paperless policy, indicate precisely who's going to be doing what. Uh, And I did give a little bit of an example, but just by way of a further example, incoming mail will be opened upon receipt by the firm receptionist. After date stamping the mail, it will be distributed to each lawyer's legal secretary by 1 p.m. daily. In the event the lawyer's legal secretary is out of the firm, the mail will be delivered directly to the lawyer or to an alternative individual identified by the lawyer. So you can see it needs to be very detailed, associated with times to the extent possible. Absolutely. Yes, and studies have shown that if people are clearly made responsibility and identified in policies, they are much more likely to respond responsibly. So, again, there should be no ambiguity. Right, right. And I'm assuming during this transition that people should be reminded that they, you know, they're going to be doing things two ways for maybe for a little while. So there needs to be time to work all of this out. So I, I'm just reminding staff and attorneys that they need to be very patient with this process. Yeah. So what about number nine? Well, I just wanted to add to what you just said, though, too, Vicki, is that um, we live, as you know, in an instant gratification culture. And so people oftentimes 
think, oh, let's just go paperless. And, you know, they want to start doing it right away and they don't want to do all the groundwork. So, yes, that is definitely true. I agree with what you said. Tip number nine is develop a feedback and monitoring system and include it in your plan. You want to make people accountable. I see this all the time with policies and procedures, and not just in law firms, but in several areas of business where people spend all of this time developing policies and they put their policy booklet on the shelf and they never look at it and they never go back and assess if people are following the policies and if they're working and if they can be enhanced. So make people accountable. Include this in your plan. Don't leave anyone surprised and um, you don't want people to misunderstand why you're monitoring them or the process. So tell them up front and have it in the plan that the processes will be monitored and that you highly encourage their feedback on how things are working, what is and what isn't working, and also Mm -hmm. that the monitoring is occurring to determine what in the process needs to be fine-tuned, if anything, to continue to refine the paperless processing. Yeah, very good. I can see that no surprises thing is, is really important, especially to staff. So number 10. Number 10 is take it for a test drive. You just said that, um, you know, you wanted to go slowly. So you teed this right up. So take it for a test drive and don't rush the process of going paperless. I recommend that after your policy is completely done, start with a few test files, preferably new ones, so you can start at the gate and see how it goes for a month. Uh, So think of this as going beta. Okay. So you wouldn't just say we're going to take all of our files, we're going to make all of our files paperless by August 31st. You can't do it that way, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now I have a real good question for you. If I had to start drafting a policy for our paperless system, I would not have any idea where to start. So are there samples? Does the state bar have things for people to use? How do you come up with these policies? Interestingly and surprisingly, I have never come across a template, although I have been provided access to a few sample policies that firms have actually drafted. And what I found was that they're so firm-specific, they aren't that useful to basically take and adopt into another firm. They are very helpful in that they provide ideas and samples, and they can help get the creative juices flowing in a firm that's in the process of developing their own policy. But I have never seen a one-size-fits-all template. Okay, so would it be better to contact somebody else who set up their own policies, better to contact maybe the uh, state bar, you know, the law office management section of the state bar, see what's happening? or That would be very helpful. We have several resources and white papers that we can direct people to um, and webinars. So, yes, they most certainly can use the State Bar of Michigan as a point of reference. Mm Mm-hmm. And probably most state bars in other states are working on this too. Do you? I know you are with the ABA in a lot of the times, so could they probably turn to their own state bar? Yes, they could. And in fact, many of the state bars have practice management departments. Right. And I would encourage anyone to just Google PMAs of North America, and there is a directory of all of the 
practice management advisors at the various bar associations. Oh, uh, so great. that would that would be a good resource for people to rely upon. Great. Thank you for that. I didn't know that even existed, Joanne. Well, you have been a terrific guest. I can't imagine uh, how anyone wouldn't want to go ahead and go paperless. I know people who've tried and it hasn't worked and, and so forth, but I just the fact that you don't have the messy files anymore would just... I'm behind it all the way. It's just got got to happen. So tell me, how can people get in touch with you if they want to do that? I would be happy to take calls and emails from people. My email address is jhathaway, that's H-A-T-H-A-W-A-Y, at mail, M-A-I-L, dot mishbar, M-I-C-H-B-A-R, dot org. And my direct dial phone number is 517 517- Perfect. Thank you very much. I just, I'm very excited about this topic. I often have people ask me how to make it happen, and I have to tell you, I don't know even where to tell them to start, so now I do. So let's take another short break, and I don't want our listeners to go away, because when I come back, I'll have news and career tips for you. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. I hope you enjoyed Joanne's tips. I certainly did. And now it's time for my practice tip for today. And what I want to do is to talk to you for just a brief minute about your social media footprint, how much you're involved with social media and the different aspects of what your involvement can do for you. It really, all of us are on social media now. It's just the part of our everyday lives, our everyday jobs. And it's also a part of either the success or failure of both a job search and being on the job, whether you keep your job or not. Uh, Most of us are on uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. There are others being added all the time. But when we talk about being on social media in terms of, you know, either getting fired or uh, losing your chance to get hired. What we're talking about is your footprint. Be sure that you're posting uh, appropriate pictures, that you avoid any racial slurs, that you avoid any nasty comments about your boss or your colleagues, or about the people that may have just interviewed you. I'd also highly recommend that you don't talk about the political campaign that's going on or any other political campaign, because that can rile somebody who either wants to hire you or you may be working for them. It just can put you on the bad side of someone. But anyway, if you're really active on social media, another thing that can happen is that your employer may question whether or not you're spending too much time on social media. I particularly remember a person who worked in a government position, and she was posting on Facebook all the time. Now, she was using her cell phone to do her posting. She wasn't doing it on the government's computer. But the other thing is, is that 
a lot of people saw these posts. And, you know, she was being paid by taxpayer money. And if taxpayers also think that, that you're spending too much time on Facebook, they can complain, and that can cause you to lose your job. Also, uh, many employers do look at social media when they are ready to hire someone. I know that that usually happens all the time. So especially keep things to yourself. Don't publicize that you're going to an interview. You've just finished an interview because some companies really don't like to have that made public, that they're doing uh, even doing any interviews. And one last thing that I want to bring up is that often current employers or future employers may ask you for your password so that they can look at your social media accounts. You don't have to do that, and I would say uh, I would just decline to do that. There are different states are enacting laws that will uh, make it illegal for employers to ask for that information. So uh, I would just decline to provide that. And if it makes a difference on whether you're either hired or fired, then I would take that up with uh, someone who can help you. All right, that is all the time that we have for the Paralegal Voice today. I hope you enjoyed Joanne's uh, comments. I certainly always love to have her as a guest. And then the other thing is that I want you to be sure that you check out my website and my blog. Uh, You can get to the blog by going to paralegalmentor.com. And uh, don't forget to check out the resources there because they have been designed to help you move your career in the right direction. We all know that that direction is always forward. So this is Vicki Voison thanking you for listening to the Paralegal Voice and reminding you that we all need to make our paralegal voices heard. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to The Paralegal Voice, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Vicki Voisin for her next podcast on issues and trends affecting paralegals and legal assistants. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Som. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.